Well, hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to Cultivate Church Online. We're in a series we've titled, A God Who Can. We're leading into Easter week. Matter of fact, today is Palm Sunday. It's the day that signifies the, the moment that Jesus, the triumphant entry where he entered the city of Jerusalem, knowing that he was going to his death, knowing that he was about to sacrifice himself for the sins of the world. We've been in this series, A God Who Can, because we want to remind people of how big, how good God really is. Week one, if you tuned in online or maybe you were here with us physically at one of our campuses, we talked about a God who can split the sea. A God who can split the sea. We're doing that all month long. We're walking through some of the major stories in the Bible throughout history where God showed up in a significant way. Next week, I'm so excited because we get to talk through the Easter story. We're talking about a God who can save the sinner. You know, that's really what the Bible's all about. History unveils and unravels itself in this way that God so loved the world that he sent us Jesus, that he reconciled us back to him. He provided a way back to him because of sin in the world and sin in us. So next week we get to celebrate Easter together. I'm so incredibly excited about the weekend. We get to gather all weekend long. Good Friday, we're going to have a night of worship at our Alabaster campus. I would invite you to be a part of that. It's going to be an incredible night where we get to celebrate the resurrection, but before the resurrection even comes, we get to acknowledge the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. We're going to take communion together. We're going to worship together. It's always a very powerful night where both of our campuses are going to gather together, worship Jesus together at our Alabaster campus. And we have the egg drop that Saturday. We just get to love on our city, no strings attached, just a way for us to say we love you. And then Easter Sunday at both campuses, I would invite you to be a part of what God is doing on Easter weekend here physically at Cultivate Church at one of our campuses, Columbiana or Alabaster. And then the final week of the series, we're going to talk about a God who can stop the storm. So excited about that. But today we're going to focus in on a God who can stop the sun. A God who can stop the sun. Our theme verse is Psalm 77 verses 13 and 14. It says, what God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. The, da- the, the psalmist David understood there's nobody like our God. There's nobody like you, God. And I love the story in the book of Joshua chapter 10 where Joshua famously prays that God would stop the sun. And he does. I'll give you a little bit of context of that passage of scripture. You can read uh, prior to that prayer in Joshua chapter 10, where Joshua kind of got himself into a pickle. He had made an alliance with a a nation. He had made an alliance with another king. And uh, another king in Jerusalem didn't like that alliance. So they, they formed an alliance with other kings and they were going to battle to conquer Joshua and this other nation. And you know, when you know it, that Joshua cries out to God and God delivered him miraculously from all of these other nations who had swarmed to come in against them. And here's what we know. We know that many of us, we've probably never physically watched God stop the sun. We know that that's not even possible now. Science reminds us that the sun doesn't revolve around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun. And in Joshua's mind, 
mind in that day. That's what he thought was happening, that he was going to stop the sun in the sky. Maybe you've never experienced something physically like that in your life, but I would submit today that many of us, probably all of us, have had moments like that in our life where God did do something miraculous, where he did show up significantly in our lives. The truth is, many times he's done something like that and we didn't even recognize it. I would also venture to say that there's many people tuning in right now online or via podcast, however it is you're tuning in, who probably need God to show up in a circumstance or a situation. And it's going to be an extravagant way that he would need to show up for anything good to come out of it. And that's my hope today, that as we dive into God's word, that you'll be encouraged that there is a God that stopped the sun for Joshua and anything good he's ever done throughout history. I want you to know today, he desires to do it for us today. That there was, he is, he is no, there's no favoritism with God. There's nothing special about Joshua that we don't carry ourselves. The Bible talks about it in, uh, in the book of James about a man named Elisha. And he said he was, Elijah was a man, not not Elisha, Elijah. Elijah was a man just like you and me, except he had a very significant prayer life. He prayed and believed God. All of the stories we can see God that he's performed all throughout history in the Bible and even outside of scripture we've seen where the hand of God's moved in humanity. There's nothing significant about those things and those circumstances or those people that's not significant about you. God cares for you the same he cared for them. And so if he's ever done anything for them, he can do it for us as well. So today we're going to spend most of our time in Joshua chapter 10 walking through his experience, Joshua's experience as he prays for God to do this exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond kind of miracle. This moment where he looks up and the sun has paused in the sky. What would it look like if we could believe God for those same things in our own life, in our marriages, in our careers, in our personal life? What if, what if we believe that God could move in those significant ways? I believe he can. And I think there's some, way, some things that we can focus on and zero in on in our own faith journey that I believe can make the difference in us folk, uh, realizing and seeing those kinds of miracles in our lives, especially as we're entering into this Easter season. So let's pray together and we'll dive into our notes this morning. Father, we love you. We're so excited about the season that we're in. On this Palm Sunday, as we recognize that this is the moment that Jesus willingly and knowingly rode into a city that he knew was going to kill him. He rode into a circumstance, a scenario that he knew he was going to sacrifice his life for the sins of the world. And he did it. He did it. And so, Father, as we recognize that today, God, many people tuning in, many of us are in in need of a work, a move, a hand of God in our own lives. Many of us know that apart from the work of God, apart from the hand of God, uh, many scenarios aren't going to shift or change in any positive or good direction. 
And so, God, as we walk through this and we acknowledge what Jesus did to redeem us back to you, I pray as we open your word that you perform spiritual surgery on our hearts and it changes us and challenges us in a way to live our life on purpose in a way that honors you, that makes the difference in the world around us, the sphere of influence around us, that people would look at our lives, the hand of God on our lives, and say, surely there is a God. Surely if he did something for them, he can do it for me. God, we ask in Jesus' name that you would show up in ways that only you can and you'll get all the honor for it. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Number one, if we're going to stop the sun, it requires some things out of us. And number one, I think we need to understand that we need to accept God's promises. Joshua did that. Joshua, he didn't just do it in this story. Joshua had a history of accepting God's word for what it was, accepting God's promises as true. And we see it here in Joshua chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. It says, so Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. They had gotten word that there was an army coming to destroy Gibeon and destroy Joshua and his nation. So Joshua set out, and as he set out in verse 8, Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you the victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up to you. Joshua believed God because Joshua had already been on the receiving end of God's fulfilling promises. You see, Joshua was alive. Remember last week we talked about God splitting the Red Sea. Joshua was a young man when that happened. Joshua was following Moses. He was in the crowd and he saw, he stood still and watched the salvation of God as Israel crossed over on dry land through the Red Sea. I can imagine walking through something like that and seeing seeing the miraculous hand of God rescue millions of people from a nation that otherwise would have, would have, uh, would have killed them all. And God w brought them through it. Joshua believed because he had seen it. He had witnessed it. Joshua and Caleb were the only two spies who believed God for Canaan when the Lord said to go. There's a passage of scripture in the book of Numbers where God sent them, uh, Moses sent them out to spy the land and they came back and the Lord had already declared, I am handing this over to you. This is my gift to Israel. And they came back and everyone except Joshua and Caleb didn't believe the word of God. They believed him. And when you know it, the whole book of Numbers is a reality of Israel being punished for not believing, not accepting God and his word. It's, a, it's an account of God disciplining the nation of Israel for a lack of faith. I love that in this passage of scripture we see in Joshua chapter 10, God spoke in past tense. I have given you the victory. I have caused you to win already. You go ahead. The battle is already won. Joshua accepted God's promise. I've learned this in my own walk with Jesus. The fact that I've made it through my yesterday is proof enough that God will bring me through my today. Joshua understood that. Hey, God, God brought us through the Red Sea. God promised us Canaan. God has shown up so many other times in my past. He's reminded me over and over again to be courageous and not to fear because he is with me anywhere I place my foot. His favor is on me. So I'm going to move forward in victory. He's already promised a victory. And 
Many times that same truth is still, it holds true in our own personal lives. The fact that he has brought us through so many times in our, in our past is proof that his promises are true today. Did you know this? There are 7,487 promises from God to humanity in the Bible. All of them have been fulfilled or are being fulfilled now. There's not one that God has ever backed out on. His promises have always been true. A couple of uh, weeks ago, we went to we were on spring break this, uh, this past week and. Uh, we went to Universal Studios with some families here in the church. We had a great time. But my son, Shepard, he's a lot like me, and he's not super excited about roller coasters and rides. And, and, and I'm 37, and I've just gotten to the point where, I'm, uh, where I will actually ride some of the rides. And I'm trying to help my son and help my daughter overcome some of those uh, really irrational fears that I've had in my own life and trying to get them to have a good time as, they, uh, as they're not being so fearful the whole, their whole life over these rides. And I remember uh, many of the rides that we would get on, Shepard rode this roller coaster of emotions the whole week. And the whole week he would be like, oh, I'm going to ride it, I'm in. And then he would get in line and say, no, I don't want to do it. I'm not, ha I'm, I'm, it's not going on. And then we'd get about halfway through the line and he'd be excited again. And then right before we got on the, uh, the, the ride, he would lose his mind, just crying and uh, scared. And dad, I don't want to do it. And I remember this one particular ride. I said, Shepard, we've rode this many rides. Has, have I lied to you yet? And he would cry and through the tears, he would say, no, sir, you haven't lied. And I said, have you enjoyed all of the other rides that you were scared or fearful to get on? And he said, yes, sir, I've, I've enjoyed them all. And he had, had a good time. And I said, well, can you trust me that this is going to be okay too? And then he'd take a deep breath. He'd say, yes, sir. And then we'd get on the ride. And sure enough, by the end of it, he would be holding his hands up. And he was excited that he rode the ride, that he conquered his fear. But every single ride, the whole week, it was that scenario. And you know, I think we live our lives that same way. Even though we know that the last time was okay, that the last time God brought us through it, that the last time he showed up in a significant way, every single time it's almost as if the, uh, our humanity has fogged, has, has somehow fogged up the truth of our yesterday. You know what? God's never let us down. He's never lied to us. He's always been faithful. He's brought us through every circumstance. He's made sure that we've walked out of every scenario, that he's walked us through. The power of the Holy Spirit's been present. What's, what's stopping you now from accepting God's promises moving forward? What circumstances are you struggling handing over to the Lord? He's already made a way in your career. He's already made a way in your family. He's already made a way in your resources. He's already made a way in your marriage. He didn't say, I might give you the victory. He told Joseph, he told Joshua, move forward. I have given you the victory. And I think the same love and the same fervor he had for Joshua, he's got for us. So number one is we've got to accept God's promises. Number two, if you're taking notes, I would say this. Once we've, once we've accepted his promise, we have to take action. Absolutely, I accept the promise of God. But that does not disqualify us from participating in what God's calling us to do. Joshua says, and it says this in Joshua 10, 9 and 10, that Joshua traveled all night 
from Gilgal and took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord threw them in a panic, and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Haran, killing them all along the way to Hazekah and Makeda. God showed up through taking action. Joshua chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. He traveled all night. He didn't wait for the battle to come to him. He didn't wait for the promise to be fulfilled. He traveled all night. He accepted God's promise, and then he did his part to partner with the Lord to accomplish what God had called him to do. He trusted God, accepted the promise, so it spurred him into action. I know that some of you are asking God to restore your marriage, but you're refusing to go to marriage counseling. You're asking God to restore your marriage, but you're, you're refusing to set the boundaries that will actually lead to change. You say you want to be set free from your hurts, habits, and hang-ups, but you won't step foot in to celebrate recovery. That happens every single Friday night. Maybe you'll show up every now and then, but you won't go to small group. You'll take, um, uh, you want to make more money, but you're lazy. You don't really do what you're supposed to do and earn where you're supposed to earn to get to where you need to be. It's easy for us to ask God to show up. It's easy for us to say, I'm believing God for doing something. Yet how many of us are sitting back and waiting instead of traveling all night long? You want your spouse to love God, but you're a horrible example of biblical leadership in your home. What's your travel all night? What is it that you need to do? What's your action that you need to be taking? We say it often here at Cultivate. Little tweaks lead to high peaks. What step do you need to be taking forward because you've believed God's promise for victory? He's already given it to you, so take the step. Do the thing. Small deeds done are better than great deeds planned. Isn't that true? This is an old cliche statement. The road to hell is paved with what? Good intentions. I want to do it. I'm hoping God will show up, but I'm not doing anything. Action is the antidote to despair. Action is the antidote to despair. You need to be doing something in faith, trusting God for the miracle. No one builds a legacy by standing still. God has always spurred people into action as they believe in faith for his promise. Even the point where he told Israel last week, we talked about the Red Sea, where Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That's absolutely true, but they had to get to the Red Sea. They, wrote, they walked to the Red Sea in faith that God would deliver, and then he delivered. Joshua didn't sit back and wait for the victory that had been already delivered and promised. He marched all night so that God, so that he would position himself and posture himself for the victory. You can't settle in sin and think God will deliver you. What are you doing? What changes are you making? What steps are you taking so that God can do what he's promised he'll do? Once you've done that, once I've accepted his promise, once I've taken action, the next step, number three, is I need to attend the miracle. I love this one. He goes on in Joshua 10, verse 11. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Haran, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven. They continued until the day until they reached Hezekiah. 
the hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. Did you catch that? Come on, Joshua took action. He did what God had called him to do. And as a result, God showed up in ways that he could have never dreamed. Joshua's action positioned him for a miracle. There comes a time when God will take over and do more in a moment than we can do in years. It says it right there that the hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. Joshua took action. He, He accepted God's promise. He took action to do what he knew he needed to do. But then God showed up and did exceedingly abundantly above and beyond than he could have ever asked or imagined. Once your activity, like once you're actively participating in faith, it positions our posture for God to do what only he can do. I've accepted his promise. I'm walking it out in faith. And then he shows up and does more than I could dream. Your broken marriage is restored because you got over your selfishness and acted in faith doing what needed to be done. Come on, sexual addiction, addiction broken because you actually put feet to the prayer and got accountability and help. The anger, the bitterness is restored because why? You put action to your prayer. You put action to your faith. The Bible says it in James for us to pray for one another and, and confess to one another so that we can be healed. We see it so many times in Scripture. That salvation comes through Jesus and healing comes through community. How many times have you neglected to put action to your faith and you're wondering why there's no miracle to attend? There's going to come a time once action is placed, once you put action, put feet to the faith, that all you're going to have to do is show up. There's going to come a moment, I can't tell you the amount of times in my life where God has shown up and there was nothing else I could do. I was a spectator at that moment. I was now just a ticket holder. Nothing I could do in the moment that could do anything better than what God was doing himself. Like he showed up and did more than I could dream. This, our church, Cultivate Church, is one of those moments. We took action. We put feet to our faith. But then God showed up and did more than we could do. We became attenders. We just became spectators to the miracle our Columbiana facility in Columbiana miracle story more than we could do we had done all that we could do to put action to our faith and then God stepped in and miraculously provided a facility Alabaster campus exactly the same we did we put feet to our actions we accepted God's promise but then God stepped in and did what only he could do you know one of the things I've noticed about miracles in in my life though is that far too often a miracle can become common. One of the main reasons we lose our enthusiasm and lose our enthusiasm in our faith and, uh, and, and in our faith in Jesus and in our faith journey is because we just become ungrateful. We let what was once a miracle become too common. I mean, that happens to all of us. It happened in Israel. It happened to Israel. How many times did they miraculously see the hand of God move? Yet they always kept going back to where they were in the moment. There's a particular place in scripture, we see it in Numbers 11. We see it after God had already miraculously delivered them from 400 years of slavery and bondage. And he takes them out and he miraculously provides them manna from heaven. The Bible says that it was literally a miracle from heaven every day that God would provide the food that they needed. 
and then it became common. You can see it on the screen. It's in Numbers 11, 5 and 6. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, and onions, and garlic we wanted. Not to, never mind that they were in slavery crying out to God. But now our appetites are gone. Listen to this. All we ever see is this manna. Let, let that sink in. All we ever see is this miracle from God. All we see, literally waking up on the daily, seeing God miraculously provide the substance that they needed in the moment, and it had become so common that they despised it. So common, so ordinary that they wished they had had something else. The miracle had become too familiar. And I'm afraid that many of us have fallen into that same trap. There comes a time when all we are as attenders, we are spectators, that God is doing more than we could ask, dream, or imagine. But it becomes common and we begin to resent it. Come on, you once prayed for the marriage that you have, but yeah, now you despise it. You begged for God to give you that job that you hate one time, but now you hate it. You once were bound in addiction, but now your freedom is common. Isn't that true in our own faith journey? The miracle of Easter has become common to many of us. God so loved the world that he stepped out of eternity, stepped into humanity, became one of us miraculously, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, came back to life to reconcile us back to him. And that miracle is too common to many of us that we don't even understand it in awe of who God is. I would encourage us all that we need to begin to attend the miracle again. Recognize, spectate, look in awe of who God is in our life. What is God doing in your life that you could have never done in your own strength? Come on, attend the miracle. And the last thing I'll share with you today is we need to learn to ask for the impossible. Ask for the impossible. He goes on, Joshua chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. On the day the Lord gave Israelites victory over the Amorites, he had already given them the victory, remember? He walked all night, he conquered them, God showed up, he began to work and do more than he even dreamed or imagined. What did Joshua say? He prayed that the Lord to the Lord in front of all of the people, he said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. You know what I love about that passage of scripture? Yes, God stalled the day. We know that that wasn't even a proper prayer now, right? In 2022, we know that the sun doesn't revolve around uh, the earth. The earth revolves around the sun, the, the, the moon. Like that's not even a proper prayer. God's not looking for perfection. God's not looking for us to get everything right theologically or scientifically and get everything in proper working order before he moves. That's not what God's looking for. He's looking for availability. He's looking for someone that'll accept his promise, put feet to their faith, that'll move in action, that'll trust God where they are in their life, and, that, and, and then it postures them and prepares them for him to do more than they dreamed or imagined. We know we know that there's another impossibility. 
like the impossibility of the sun to stand still, the earth to stop spinning on its axis and not and in human and, and everybody not be slung out into the universe. That's impossible. But God did it. What impossible scenario, what thing are you thinking through in your own life that really is an impossibility? But if you begin to look back over the history of your life, you've seen where God has shown up time and time and time again. Maybe you're here today and the marriage is not just on the rocks, it's already over. You've already signed the papers, you've already done the deed, and you think there's no way that God can restore it. I'm telling you, there's a God who can. Maybe you're here and you think, man, the sickness has taken over too much. The bad doctor's report is too far. Doctors have already said, we don't know what to do next. I'm telling you, there's a God who can in these moments. The fact that he's walked us through our yesterday and we're here breathing today says there's still hope for God to do more than we ask, dream, or imagine. Maybe you're here today and you thought you were, you were as good a parent as you thought you could be, but your kids are far from God. You made some mistakes. You did some things wrong and you think, I can't get it back. I can't get my actions back. I can't get what I've said back. But there's a God who can restore broken things. Maybe you're here today and you feel like you've gone too far and done too much. That there's no way, even in this moment, that God could reconcile you after all the things that you've deliberately done, the sin that you find yourself in even today. I want you to know there's a God who can. Not only can he, but he wants to. The Bible says that all of us are the same. There's no difference from you and me. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all needed a savior for God so loved the world. That's you and that's me. That he sent his only son Jesus to die on a cross to reconcile us back to him again. And it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What does that mean? It means that Jesus went to the cross. He stepped into humanity and he went to the cross knowing that we didn't even know we needed a savior yet. And he did it in hopes, the Bible says in Acts, that one day we would find our way back to him. And the blood of Jesus was shed on a cross for your sin and mine. And three days later, he came back to life again, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And here we stand on the beginning of Easter week, knowing that there's an opportunity for you to have a brand new relationship with Jesus. You would simply pray these words, Father, forgive me of my sin. I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart that Jesus came and lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross and he came back to life, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Jesus, from this day forward, I accept you as Savior, but I begin to follow you as my Lord. I love you. Thank you for salvation. Father, we pray for every other person under the sound of my voice. God, those who are in need of a sun stand still moment. Those are in need of a miraculous move of God. Father, remind us that the fact that we're still here means you've brought us through our yesterdays. And if you've ever done it for anybody else, you want to do it for us today. So God, we accept your promise. We're going to put feet to, we're going to, we're going to move in action. We're going to put feet to our faith. We're going to attend the miracle. God, we're going to recognize when you're moving. God, that it's not our strength. It's not our ability. It's all you. 
And God, that's going to spur us on to ask for the impossible. Father, I pray you restore broken marriages. God, I pray right now that you heal diseases that the doctors have given up on. God, I pray right now that you restore relationships between father and son, mother and daughter, parents and children. Right now, Father, I pray for relationships that have been that have been severed for generations. Maybe they've been severed for a decade or more. God, that right now you would begin to heal broken things. God, I pray for uh, plenty where there's lack. I pray for restoration where things are broken. God, it would be a miracle story. It would be a moment that all we can do is sit back and go look at God. I'm just a spectator at the miraculous hand of God in my life. You'll get all the credit for it. In Jesus' name, amen.